Every day, I am getting one step closer to having another healthy baby, and Caraway Home is helping me do that. Their ceramic, naturally slick surface cookware allows you to cook with minimal butter. Uh, they're very easy to clean, just a little warm water, you wipe it down. And the best part is, is that Caraway products are made without any toxic materials like BFASs, BTFEs, and a bunch of other things like I can't even pronounce. So you don't have to worry about that. Um, right now, visit Caraway wayhome.com slash TSFS to take advantage of this limited time offer for 10% off your next purchase. This deal is exclusive to my Sarah Fraser Show listeners. So visit carawayhome.com slash TSFS or use code TSFS at checkout. Caraway, non-toxic cookware made modern. It's time for you to see what all the fuss is about, read about their five-star reviews and why so many TSFS fans buy Caraway Home. Order now. Tonight, only on Disney Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Does anyone here know the lyrics? Prove it. Taylor Swift: The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Streaming tonight, only on Disney Plus. Join Reddit on Wiki every Monday and Friday for some of the most jaw-dropping stories Reddit has to offer. With each episode, John, Sean, and Josh meticulously curate the most engaging content from Reddit, transforming it into a podcast experience filled with laughter, awe, and sometimes disbelief. I, I bet. Get ready for a roller coaster ride of emotions with the most captivating stories from the corners of the internet. Subscribe to Reddit on Wiki wherever you get your podcasts. Usual, the best way to support this show is to frequent the sponsors and the Patreon Horizon Fibroids. Our guy, Dr. Will, is amazing. He is taking on new clients. If you have fibroids, and many of you probably know you already have them, um, but if you're planning to get pregnant or if the pain has been on and off, your OBGYN, as lovely as they are, may not know all the options because uterine fibroid embolization is a 20-plus year procedure that's non-surgical that Dr. Will Neem is certified in. He has three locations in Maryland, in Frederick, in Germantown, and in Rockville. You can go to horizonfibroids.com. You can make your appointment there on his website, which is awesome. And they'll tell you right away, like if you qualify for insurance. So you're all set. Okay. Ben Higgins. Hello. I'm new to Bachelor Nation this year. I'm loving it. And what a season to start with the most controversy of all with Matt James. And is anyone else, Matt James to me, I, I, Started out with him, he was so hot. I was all about him. And then I don't know if it's just the nervous rubbing of the hands, but the more we go along, the the less attracted to him I am. And I can't quite pinpoint why. I don't know what it, maybe it's the making out with the eyes open and he didn't realize at 28 years old, you're not supposed to do that. Maybe it's the controversy. I don't know. I can't, I can't decide. Anyway, it's, it is amazing television. Um, and Ben Higgins, as many of you know, because I got messages over the weekend, you guys were like, you're going to have Ben on? Everyone's huge fans. 
Ben was on The Bachelorette, and then I think he said now it's been like five years, was was The Bachelor. Um, Lauren Bushnell, he, they got engaged. Then they even did a reality show following Ben and Lauren around to see if their relationship would work. And about a year later, they ended up breaking off their engagement. So in quarantine, Ben has written a book called Alone in Plain Sight. It's so good. I'm almost at the end of it. And I have to say, and Ben was, ben was saying to me, come on, you can't tell me that you like the book if you don't like the book. I actually really like the book. And I'll tell you why in the interview. This interview is very revealing. We talk about Chris Harrison. Um, You guys have probably seen all the updates that Chris is not coming back for the next season of The Bachelorette. So... I ask him like what he thought of that moment with Rachel Lindsay. He he talks about that. And then Matt James, the rumor is, of course, that he picks Rachel Kirkconnell, who's had all the controversy with the antebellum picture. So I get Ben's take on, does he think that they can survive? Because Ben has been through that scrutiny. Can they stay together? And the book is so great. It's about connection. It's about being vulnerable. And he also goes into detail about how he had a parasite <laughs> poor guy while he was filming The Bachelor and all the no pun intended shit that happened with that. So anyway, Ben Higgins is here. You were on The Bachelorette. You were The Bachelor only two seasons ago, right, Ben? Aren't we in season? No, 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 no. Like was it five longer than that? Ago. Really? Yeah, I'm, I'm getting older. <laughs> getting a little distance on it. Um, but you recently this year in COVID wrote your book, Alone in Plain Sight, which yeah. I was telling you before we started is really good and makes me want to be way more, have way more of a spiritual foundation because it truly is a book about connection and really about you exploring any insecurities and in your life and kind of making it have meaning. Yeah, I mean, that's awesome to hear. And, and like I told you, you know, it's really great that you're saying that to my face. And I, and I hope you actually mean that because this was a two year, like this was a two year project for me. And it was one that was not easy, like, and and not in like a, oh my gosh, this is the hard, like, it was just really hard to write a book. I have a lot of, like a lot of, um, uh, just like gratitude for anybody out there that sits down to write. Like I got to a point, it was probably like six or seven chapters in that I hit a wall. And when I say hit a wall, like nothing was coming to me anymore. And so I called Mark Mark Tab, who you see on it and said, I need a friend. Like I need somebody to sit beside me. I need somebody to ask me questions. Like, dude, I need something because I'm never going to get this done. Um, But the whole book was written to, I mean, my hope is that people just feel less alone after reading it and maybe like they matter a little bit more. And I think that's like, you know, I'm obviously a Christian. Like, I believe in Jesus not because it's a really cool idea. Uh, and probably for all the reasons that people dislike Christians out there, I, I would like to prove them wrong and say, that's not me. Like, I, you know, I just believe in Jesus. I believe in the uniting of all of us. Um, but just to have the, like, for you to say, hey, I just want to explore this world a little bit more. Like, I just want to, like, even ask the question, like, what this whole thing's about is a win for me. Like, that's that's a cr- incredible. Well, here's why I mean it, because I was saying this to you, and I don't mean this to be offensive. I mean it to be, you have way more substance in this book than I expected from a reality star. And that is what I really liked about it and got me hooked, you know, because I think a lot of times reality people make their careers out of going to other reality shows and other reality, and they almost just continue to chase that fame. Whereas- 
really in your book, it's a small fraction of your of the book. It's really and, and I mean I yeah, there's only two sections on it. And I get it, right? I mean you get like for me, my story is unique in the sense that like I had a job I was terrible at before the show. Like a great job. I was going to get fired any day. Like I couldn't hit a, a, a base hit at that job. Um, and so you then get on the show and you get more money. Now you don't really get paid to be on the bachelorette at all, but you get more money, more attention, more opportunity. All of a sudden people like are paying to meet you when like four months before, like I was in the bottom of a basement of a company, like in the storage closet, typing user manuals for a software. Like it's a wild switch and it's euphoric. It's, it's, uh, it, it, you feel like it's going to be fulfilling. You feel like you've hit it, you've made it. Um, and so I get why you keep doing it, but I had a big humbling moment in my life that pivoted me away from the pursuit of, of those shows. Now, granted, Fame or attention has been good for me. If I can stay getting people to be interested in buying a book that I wrote, I'm really happy with that. Like, I don't want to lose that necessarily, but the pursuit of it is something like that can't be my strategy. That can't be my, my outlook. That can't be a thing I'm reaching for. Yeah. Well, and I mean, it obviously shows in, in the book and in your life, right? Because I think the the sad thing is, and you of course talk about your own addiction and loneliness feelings in the book, but so many people who have fame really are feeling that and never address it, never find a, a bigger spiritual connection. Talk to me about that. I thought that part in the in the start of the book was very fascinating. We're, we're on the Bachelorette. You kind of have this moment where you really open up and you talk about feeling, you know, lonely and insignificant, and that's when people really started to connect with you, right? In a way, like the audience started to DM you and you would get messages from other people. Why? Because it sounds like you you grew up like I did, like many people, middle-class family. Your parents obviously loved and adored you. You had some tragedy with your father getting sick. But, you know, to the outside world, seems like you had it all, but you were really feeling pretty inadequate. Yeah. Yeah, let's dive into that a bit. It's interesting because I'm going to say this in a way that it is not um, thought through really well, but let's see where it goes. It's interesting that, you know, people, when I was on The Bachelorette um, and, and and a fairly, like, quiet character on there, they they kind of, when I was announced at The Bachelor, the biggest criticism was, you know, um, this cookie cutter um, has never experienced any tragedy, doesn't, like, just trying to get famous is now our Bachelor. And then when I start admitting some stuff that I'm really dealing with, and I and not just to do it to relate, but like do it. And I think it, it when it comes from a place of genuineness, so if you're like, no, I really struggle with this. People see that and they're like, okay, that now stuff starts making sense on how he like handles himself. Then they start to go like me too. I can relate with that. But when a show highlights you as somebody unrelatable, for example, when your tagline on the season, which mine was the perfect Ben, that's unrelatable. That's untrue. That's, that's so far from the truth. That people go, why do I want to watch a guy that I that I can't understand? But I guess with the book, I'm trying to say like, no, I've like I've, I've had massive addiction issues. Um, I've gone through tragedy. Now I don't want to quantify and say my tragedy is worse. Tragedy is worse than others. I don't know that. I can't claim that. There's no way to gauge that. But I've I've felt pain. 
Well, and you've been rejected, right? You applied to a top yep. business school. I thought that was a really, you know, great moment. Cause again, looking at you from the outside, you're attractive. You're like all these things, but you know, you've been through what we've all experienced, which is rejection, heartache, you know, um, addiction, uh, you know, feeling like, oh my God, you could lose your father, you know, a lot. A lot. Yeah. I mean, a lot for me, cause it's my story. Um, and I think it's for anybody, like when you go through seasons of pain, it's how you handle it. The, one of the things in the book that I, I say, but I don't try to prove because I, I think it might be unhealthy to try to prove it is there's two things that connect us as people. Now, these are both like really sad outlooks, but I think they can be beautiful. One is death. We're all going to die. That's a really heavy idea, but it's going to happen. And I talk about it with Annie's chapter. The second is that we, we've all experienced pain. Now, there's people in this world that could argue that they've never experienced hope or true joy based on life situations. Like there are people that I've talked to that said, I don't know what hope feels like because hope is believing in what what happened in the past can happen in the future. And my past really sucks. Like I don't want that again. And so the two things that can connect us are that we've all experienced some level of pain. We all are going to die. And so what does it look like when we can look across the table at somebody and go, I know if everything else falls apart, we have two things that we can lean on. Yeah. And, you know, how did, okay, do you think it's possible to find connection without religion? Because, you you know, you admit in the book, it, you, you treated people like shit at times. You know, you yeah. start to kind of come back, you sort of rejected God, you rejected this idea of Christianity, you know, but then you kind of get back to your spirituality, Right. But do you think it's possible for people? Because the religion thing, like politics, right, is very everybody, you know, everyone has an opinion on that. Some people, you know, don't believe in anything, don't want a spiritual foundation. Do you think it's possible, though, to have a really meaningful life if you don't connect with God? Well, sure. Um, I do. I, I What I want to do, though, is follow truth wherever it is. Now, that's a really lofty statement. It sounds very evangelical. And, like, please don't miss, miss, I, uh, uh, phrases but what i what i mean is in the healthiest ways if anything i do think god can the idea of god can humble us so it makes us realize we're not the biggest things out there i think that's one really important factor i think the second though is it gives us a purpose here um you know when i look at jesus and why i believe in jesus is really a couple things but really if you fall down on it because jesus called me and told us to love our neighbor, love our neighbor and love God. If I can do those two things, life seems to work out better. Like life seems to have more meaning and more purpose. Um, I do think you can love others well, and you can have a meaningful life full of impact. Uh, I think though, the, that if you can find a relationship with God, or if you, if it's impossible for you to at least pursue the idea that you're not the greatest thing out there, I do think that allows you to know your place in this world. And I think a a humble stance of knowing that you aren't the end-all, be-all is a good perspective. But I believe in Jesus because I believe in Jesus. Now, I'm not going to tell you you have to believe this to have a meaningful life. I think that would dilute the ability and the opportunity that humans have to connect. Okay. So tell me, okay. The the only part in the book I was like trying to piece together the kind of timeline, where were you spiritually with your addiction when you were on the bachelorette and then the bachelor, were you still battling those issues or kind or had you kind of found yourself a little bit? Uh, you know, it's interesting. Like addiction, you know, I've, I've, mine was interesting because it was an opioid addiction. Like it was, 
um, for years after I had a surgery and, um, and I just kept getting prescribed and it lasted really, um, through college into the, my next year after college. Um, but I was getting better. Like I was recognizing that I wanted to heal. Like I was doing like some work to get rid of it for years. I was just in it. And then I started to like get some, like some opportunities to rehab. Um, when I was a bachelor, I was no longer like dependent, I guess, on a substance. Okay. Um, and it, and since then I haven't, you know, been either, but it's always there, right? Like, it's always something like in my, uh, in my weakest moments, most hurtful moments, like it's still there to lean on. Um, so I can't say like, yeah, it's gone, but it's just something that I've worked towards to develop tools. So I don't have to get back in that place because it wasn't a good place for me. Oh my God. Yeah. No, I mean, even, I mean, what a gift to be sober. I mean, you know, out of that addiction, I mean, that alone, some people can never do. I mean, so that's, that's pretty amazing. And I'm going to say that. Oh yeah, go ahead, please. Well, I just want to say like, that's part of why I wrote that chapter too, is to say, if you're in it, like if you are currently addicted to something, like I don't want, I don't want that chapter to add more shame and guilt on you. I know what it feels like to hide it, to hide it from yourself. Sometimes to hide it from others. I just wanted to highlight that like, you know, other people have been there too. Some people have recovered, some people haven't, but I just didn't want to add more shame and guilt to it because it's something that's already so hard to talk about that I I thought maybe possibly my story could, at least if there's a reader out there could say, okay, I'm in this. I know it's not making me the best version of myself. So either I can like work to, to get better. Or if I, if I'm not interested in that, at least I'm not alone in this season of life. Um, so that's, I just, I just don't want it to be a more of a shame-filled, guilt-filled thing because it shouldn't be that at all. Quick break to thank one of our sponsors. Talk ship to me. Is that what I'm supposed to say? Anyway, um, look, guys, love giving you new products. <laughs> love, love when you support our sponsors on this show. ShipStation is one of our newest ones, and you guys have been taking advantage of the Sarah Fraser Code, selling your items, whether you're starting an online business, whether you already have one. ShipStation allows you to sell stuff online. You're definitely in the right business because more people are shopping online than ever before. That means a lot of orders coming in and a lot of orders you'll need to ship out fast. That's why online sellers like you need ShipStation. No matter how much you sell, ShipStation makes it super easy to manage and ship all of your orders. I know I have a free account. I need to get my act together and sell more Sarah Fraser merch, but that's another story. You can ship with any carrier, access discounted shipping rates, and more. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation funnels all of your orders into one simple interface that can you can manage from anywhere, even your cell phone. You'll even get access to amazing discounts with major carriers, including UPS, FedEx, and USPS. Boom. So easy. It's no wonder ShipStation has more five-star reviews than any other shipping software. Don't believe me? Go check out their reviews online. Just use my offer code, TSFS. You get 60 days free trial. What do you have to lose? So go to ShipStation.com right now. That's two months free of no hassle, stress-free shipping. ShipStation.com. Click on the microphone at the top of the page and type in TSFS, the Sarah Fraser Show. That's ShipStation.com. Enter offer code TSFS and make ship happen. No, I didn't get the vibe from your book at all that you were preachy. I didn't, I, personally, I, I, that's the other thing I liked about it. I didn't think it was at all like, you know, it wasn't a self-help, like you should do this, you should do that. It was, it was truly like you said, this is my experience, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Talk to me about this part of the book. Cause I was fascinated. I wanted you to go deeper into this. You kind of talk about like goals and dreams are 
like maybe a blessing and a curse for people. Mm-hmm. What did you mean by that? I thought this was interesting because, you know, we're in a, a goal-oriented society where everybody, yeah. they're selling you a, a course to reach your goals. It's like you can't escape your goddamn goals. What? Yeah. So tell me what you meant by that. Well, one thing I, I want to preface this, and the, probably the reason the book I hope isn't preachy, That'd be a real, like, that could be maybe be the most offensive thing somebody could say to me is like, this book just sounded like you're preaching to me the whole time. And like, um, I didn't want it to be that. I wanted it to be a place of relatability because I've fallen short so many times. Yeah. Um, that like, I can't sit here and write a book and tell you how to live your life. That would be really, uh, in, inauthentic to like my, my story. And so I just wanted to highlight some questions that I found helpful and my journey, and then also the stories of others um, to highlight like their life stories so that they can give some wisdom and insight into what they've been through. But when it comes to goals and dreams, you know, I, I grew up in the, uh, in the generation where we were told at a young age, you can be president, you can be an, a professional athlete, you can be a doctor and a lawyer. And we like, and, I, and it's not, like, I think the sentiment behind it is fine. What, really what people are trying to say is like, you can be anything you want to be. That's awesome. But when we put, start putting labels on it and expectations on it, then when we don't meet those expectations, we feel like we failed. My generation is also a generation that is full of failure and has had, had felt that failure. And I think that's unhealthy because the people that drive me places, uh, Ben Rector's song is a great song for this. Like the people that drive me places and, and Ubers and taxis, like they're incredible humans. And like, I would be surprised if many of them at a young age were told you could be a taxi driver. Like that's not a thing, but how incredible of a job is that? Like they're keeping us safe. They're having great conversation. They're a connecting point for so many. They help us. Our lives get better. Like, and and so maybe those kids, they, maybe they just genuinely enjoy it. You know, none of those jobs are glamorized. You know, it's like be an astronaut, be a doctor, you know, but it's like, maybe you really love to drive. Mm, maybe you do. And like, that should be something that we should celebrate and not look at as, oh, we just didn't get to be a doctor. So the whole summarize all this. I have a buddy who from a young age was told he could be a doctor. He's super smart. He went on to med school. He, he became a doctor and all of a sudden his life hit him and he goes, this doesn't feel like what I thought it would feel like. Like I've worked my whole life to be a doctor. Now, you know, I'm 31 years old, almost 32. So my friends are starting to become doctors who went to school for it. And they're, and, and he said, this isn't what I wanted to do. Like, this isn't what I wanted. And so it feels like this goal and this dream that he had as a young kid and the things that his, you know, his family and friends pushed him towards is now something that's unfulfilling because ultimately inside of that, he lost himself. He gave up 30 years of his life in this pursuit of what he thought would be fulfilling. While at the same time, he missed out on everything going on around. Damn. Okay, so in your opinion, what do you think we should be telling the next generation? Like, because I'm with you. Although I feel like you and I had similar parents, because I think you talk about your parents. Like, they really didn't say that to you, right? They were, like, telling you that you weren't that great? Yeah, well, they never said that, but they were like... <laughs> oh, my, mine were like, okay, don't worry, yeah, you're not like, that great. There was never this moment where I felt like they were like, oh, he's a prodigy. Like, this kid... <laughs> This kid is going to be on, like, I think most of the time their prayers were like, just help him make it somehow. Like, <laughs> God, like, figure out that special sauce that will get Ben over the edge. It's like, oh, okay, The Bachelor? Yeah, that works. Like, 
I mean, you know, so no, that was never a feeling I had, but it was a feeling that like maybe teachers even had told me is like, um, or like in group settings, like, you know, a teacher would stand up in front of class and they, we're going to have lawyers and doctors and maybe presidents in this room. And so we're all like, oh, that's the goal. Like, that's the expectation. And then now, you know, when I was sitting writing user manuals for a living, I felt like a failure. Right. And I wasn't. Like, it was a great job. And I wasn't good at it, but it was a great job. Um, and so, you know, what we should be telling this next generation, I think, is things that are true. Not expectations, but things that are true, which is um, you matter. You have a purpose. Um, people need you. Uh and, and start to maybe, I mean, and again, like I can only speak from my perspective in life, which is a life like, which comes from my faith. But like, I think if you just summarized it and like, Hey, love others. Well, like, That's you know, and if too. you believe in God, like love God, well, like, I think if we just told our kids, like, just love others, listen to their stories um, and follow this journey and pursue whatever it is that like fires you up in your heart, whatever your passion lies for. I think that's a healthy thing, but like, let's not put labels and expectations on. I love it. And that's what I like about the mental health discussion now. Cause I'm like, God, we got to teach younger people too. Like it's more important to have your mental health and not, you know, and to deal with addiction issues or to deal with your, you know, the feelings that you might have of loneliness or inadequacy or, you know, self-esteem. Those are more, if you can just heal yourself and live as a loving human being, like you're saying, that's a huge accomplishment. I mean, that's what so many people want but can't find. Massive accomplishment and not an easy, not an easy task. Um, and not easy, right? Right. Not easy. And something that should be celebrated. Like, w- can we start celebrating the things in life that really matter? You know, it's interesting. There's a song that I, I didn't write about in the book. I should have, but it happened right after I got finished with it. Uh, it's funny. I'm not a huge Bieber fan. I like, I, I like his music just fine. But he came out with this song, Lonely. And it talks yes. about his story as a kid being the celebrity that everybody worshipped. And yet, in the whole time, he felt lonely. He felt like he was being used. He felt like nobody could connect with him. And it's similar, I think, to how many people feel today is we're operating in this world. We're doing this stuff, yet we're, you know, we're being used. We're not ever really fully able to take a step back and connect on the things that matter. And I think that's such an interesting perspective to have when it comes to um, like even this conversation about expectations and goals is like, can we start focusing on who the human is and not exactly what they do? Did you feel that way, by the way, on The Bachelor? Because in 20, I think it was 2017, you know, when you and Lauren did call off the engagement. I mean, you guys were the most Googled relationship or whatever of that year. Um, how did that, I mean, did, could you relate to that song personally too? Yeah, is that a good accomplishment? You're the most Googled breakup. Um, <laughs> you have a great sense of humor about it. So. Yeah, that's cool. Um, no, but terrific. Yeah, yeah, I think I could because again, I I go on this reality show, and I mean this in not a self-deprecating way. But like I told you, like I go on this show with not any skill sets. Like I didn't work for this. This wasn't a thing that like. As a kid, I was like, I'm going to prep myself to be this bachelor guy. Um, And so there's not a lot of like ownership and like pride and celebration in it. Like it's not an accomplishment. It's a thing that was handed to me. 
And so as it was handed to me, then also like that tagline, the perfect bin came out and then people start criticizing you and celebrating you all at the same time. And you feel like all these people on the outside have an opinion of you, but they don't know you. And so it does feel lonely. Granted, I have a great family and some great friends that help me um, feel connected. Now, I haven't felt that way in every situation in my life, but they help like invest into me. I call him the Nozempic Ben on Ozempic doctor. I'm talking about Dr. Applin and his wife who founded My Optimal Body. I am so happy about this. These are the first mindful eating-based doctors I have ever partnered with. They see patients nationwide, and they are seeing more patients who have been on Ozempic, and Ozempic has failed for them. What makes My Optimal Body so unique, and why am I endorsing them? It's because Dr. Applin actually looks at food additives, your, your addiction to food, your mental health. They do a whole look at you, including your gut health. Many of Dr. Applin's patients are working out, restricting their diets, and still gaining weight. Why is that? Because something's going on in your body and with your mind. Visit MyOptimalBody.com to request an appointment. Be sure to tell them the Sarah Fraser Show sent you so you can qualify for a free personalized assessment, plus a bonus free 30-day supply of their gut repair product when you sign up for a customized plan. Again, that's MyOptimalBody.com to request an appointment. Now, I just wonder about somebody out there that maybe doesn't have that the yeah. same things that I've been given, how they would process it and feel. Uh, and, and that's really who I want to speak to is because I know in my weakest moments, even though I was handed a lot of things in my life, um, I felt this way. What about somebody that like actually has tangible ability to validate why they feel lonely? Quickly after, because there is a chapter, you know, you do talk about Lauren and and the the breakup and, you know, the reality show of ABC following you guys around to see if you're going to make it. How quickly after you proposed did you know, like, oh, my God, this is not going to work? Because you, you see in the book, like, you didn't even know her middle name. You guys didn't even know each other's middle names. Yeah, isn't that weird? Yeah. Um, I don't think it was that soon. I think it took, like, I think it was, like, this idea that, no, this could work. This could be something special. Um, and then, you know, really, I think when we started to like work together, uh, and we also started to talk about like ideas and our, our plans, like we knew, and I, and I say in the book, like we knew we weren't going to be a match. Like it wasn't the partnership that you would desire. In fact, I felt like both of us were kind of like we, a lot of respect, but we're missing the mark. Like we're just keep continuing to miss the mark when it comes to communication, um, and, and, and helping each other become better humans. And so I think at that point we started to realize that even though neither of us, or at least I'll speak for myself, like we didn't want to give it up. Um, and then at some point, like it, it kind of hit the wall where it's like, this isn't going anywhere good. Like this just continues to get harder and we've tried. And so maybe just possibly this isn't the right thing. And, yeah. and, uh, and that took a while. It took, a, a, I mean, we were together 18 months. I think it took, uh, you know, over a year for us to really start to get to there. Damn. I, I also love the recent story that when you did The Bachelor, you you had a parasite that year that you'd picked up. I don't know. <laughs> you must have been like in between heading to the fantasy suite and going to the bathroom and trying to come back. And and why didn't producers want you to, I mean, they probably just didn't want you to reveal it because what, it was just like everyone would think it was gross. Like how you did that, that was crazy. It's wild. No, it, you know, I didn't, I don't think they didn't want me to reveal it. I don't think anybody knew. And oh, so okay. we would go like, 
I would get, I was just sick the whole time. When I say sick, like you think of your, I'm not, without going into detail, you can assume how sick I was. I can, I can imagine you're there at the rose ceremony. You're like, Chris, one moment. And then it's just like, you gotta, yeah. Well, I mean. We canceled a cocktail party in the Bahamas. Um, not, I mean, the whole show was set up to do it because of my sickness and my inability to like leave a room. And he was like, Chris came in. And he's like, can we do this? I was like, I don't think so. Um, poor Amanda Stanton. I remember I was on a date with her one night and we're sitting like talking and I was like, I'm sorry, I've got to go. Like she was in the middle of like a and I was like, I got to go. And I like ran off and she's like, Is everything okay? Like I no. Well, okay. So really funny, like many funny moments behind the scenes because I'm a guy again with uh, felt like, Hey, I can do this thing. I can be the bachelor, not a ton of confidence, like, not like, I didn't, you know, just like trying to make it work. And then at the same time, you're this sick the whole time and like kind of embarrassed about it. Um, but it wasn't until after the show that I really went into the doctor and got diagnosed because on the show, oh. they kept saying like, Hey, it's nervous stuff, like stomach it's, it's nerves, it's anxiety. And I'm like, yeah, it is like, I'm nervous and anxious this whole time. So like, that makes sense. Uh, and then afterwards, like when I finally went to the doctor, like, you know, you have like a worm growing in your gut and has like multiplied. I'm like, well, that would make sense. Oh yeah. my God. Well, and you probably picked it up cause I know you do a lot of work and you talk about your work in Honduras and, and I think, I'm not sure if it was India or maybe somewhere else. So you must've picked it up on a, tri- uh, on a trip, right? Yeah, I was at, I know exactly when I did it. I was at my buddy's wedding in Honduras and Honduras is a great place. I was just down there a week and a half ago. I love Honduras, um, but like just like um, let's say sanitation, refrigeration, like prep, food prep is different there than it is in the U.S. Like there's there's like bacteria there that Hondurans are used to, or maybe they're not. That like us in the U.S. are not used to. It's just the way like international travel works, no matter where you go. And so I did get it down there, and it was so that was yeah four months, five months that I had had it uh, by the time it got like you know, diagnosed. Oh my God. And then you, it was bad. Oh, I can't imagine. How do they actually kill it? They must give you antibiotics, right? That just kill it. Then you obviously go to the bathroom and maybe like the dead worm or whatever is, is there. It's it's two weeks of this thing that they like, the doctor like told me it was like pill form of like the, like a low grade chemo. Like it shocks your system. Like if you, my buddies tell me when I was taking it, I smelt like medicine. Like you, like it smelt like hospital. Like I could, like you could, they could hear it. Like it was a, because it had, the worm had like reproduced itself. So like there wasn't just one, there was like multiple little ones in my gut that like got. Yeah. They're wreaking havoc. Oh my God. I cannot believe you went through that on the bachelor. All right. I want to do, I want to come back to the book, but I want to do like a lightning round. Obviously this season, you know, people have so many thoughts. It's been so wild and contentious. One more reminder for you guys, um, my Patreon is such a great way to support the show. Uh, behind the scenes costs that you guys have, I do this actually full-time for a living now, which is pretty amazing. I kind of love that, thanks to you guys. Patreon.com slash The Sarah Frazier. For just $5 a month, you can support my producer, my videographer, and editor. The money goes to a great cause, and you get actually additional content. Right now, I'm focusing, because so many of you reach out to me about mindful eating, You know, I gave up dieting 
diets do not work. I am anti-diet. I am anti-Fitbit. I am anti-calorie tracking. I am completely embracing who you are and learning to that no food is off limit and actually helping to resolve your emotional eating and binge eating issues. I did about seven years ago. I ended up losing 30 plus pounds and have kept it off for seven years. The goal of mindful eating isn't even to lose weight. It's actually just to heal your relationship with food and not make food the center of your life, which it was for me from the moment I woke up until I went to bed, beating myself up about how much I hated my body. I overate. I binged ate and basically felt like who would ever love me once they knew that I was overweight or had issues with food. So I've launched a seven-part series with my longtime mindful eating therapist, Robin Mize. It's up. Um, I believe episode four is getting to, ready to drop April 1st. You want to subscribe. If you've ever been curious about mindful eating, if you've been in the diet trap your whole life, patreon.com slash The Sarah Fraser Show. I also put some fun entertainment stuff in there as well. You can see our gender baby review video that's up and some new videos coming soon. Patreon.com slash The Sarah Fraser Show, just $5 a month. Um, okay, talk to me about this. This season with Matt James, you have some, you always have some interesting women. You always have some interesting character men. Someone like Queen Victoria, which clearly Matt James had no connection with. Is that the producer saying, look, this woman is great television. You're going to keep her around. Like, you know the inside. Yeah, maybe at the end. Um, so how that works typically, at least in my experience, I haven't been on any, many other sets, but like you're as the bachelor, we watch it as fans and we like kind of operate as God, right? We can see everything going on. Um, so she's in the house, like arguing with the women and then he doesn't see that, nor does he hear about it until somebody brings it up. Like that's not a thing he knows about. And so for a while, I'm assuming he was curious and I'm sure the producer's like, you should, yeah, being curious is a good thing. Stay curious about her. Like, what, what is that? What is that thing with Victoria you're feeling, sensing? Like, is that really, is that a special thing or is that you're not into it? And then once people started to bring it up, I'm sure Matt was like, hey, I don't think I'm okay with this. And the producer probably said, okay, well, like next week, you know, if you want to let her go, you should let her go. But he kind of has to bring it to the table because it gets a really dangerous balance with that show if, the producers start acting like they have all the input because their lead will reject it pretty fast. Like they'll be like, well, this isn't my experience. This is your experience. And I'm just following along. So they're very careful about when, how, and where they start to input their insight. That's they're, they're never against though, like kind of like fueling the curiosity. Like you should stay, you keep asking her the right questions. And <laughs> she's great. She television. doesn't know. She's yeah. such good TV. Okay, now what is with, you know, obviously Bachelor Nation, it's its whole thing. And you, you know, you have a podcast you guys obviously talk about. You and Ashley, I talk about um, yeah. The Bachelor and your Almost Famous podcast. So after you leave, what do you get, like a long-term contract essentially to stay within Bachelor Nation? You, you hear kind of Rachel Lindsay mention this. So how does well, that? Yeah, Rachel's different. So she is signed on with Warner Brothers still because of her podcast with Warner Brothers and her work with Extra. So Rachel has a has a long like a new contract that she signed. Um, and I don't even I would have no clue what that looks like. I've never signed a Warner Brothers contract post my time on the show. Now on the show, you have a contract that only lasts a few months after the like the final airing of the your season. Okay. Um now there's some like perpetuity in there, right? Like, hey, like they can like 
to have a commercial with my face on it and like that's theirs to have but my responsibility to them is no like longer to like do what they say but rachel's different because she's re-upped her contract with Warner Brothers to do some of the stuff that she's working on. Um, when you first saw, and I know you've spoken on this, when you first saw that interview with Chris and Rachel, what were your thoughts? Because, you know, I'm actually a new Bachelor fan, and it seems okay. like Chris, you know, doesn't have a lot to say, and yet came alive in that interview, like suddenly had some serious things to say. When you first watched it, were you like, oh, fuck, like this guy is in for it. Like, what did you think? Well, I sit in a weird position, right? Because I, I really uh, admire and I'm a friend with Rachel. Um, I'm also a really good friend with Chris. Like, oh, yeah, like, like, and like, not just like from the show. Like, I, I'm, I'm a friend. To, like, and I will say that publicly. Like, I really am a friend to Chris, and and so I watched it more of a. Um, I think like probably anybody close to the situation did. Like, what's going on here? Like, there's, there's. The, yeah, it didn't feel like him. Like it's not the like not the Chris I know, um, and I can't speak to. I have been able to speak to him, but I'm not asking him like, why did you do this? Like, it's more of uh, you know trying to understand like where his head's at and be a friend to him now. Um, but I watched it, and it's like these things aren't going to be helpful. Like these things aren't helping the conversation. Um, these, the, the words are not words that I've ever heard him speak or say. So the question was like, what in the world is going on? And then it was, yeah, it was, this is not going to be good, but maybe, and I think over time now I look at it and go, maybe just possibly it can be good because of the conversations now we're able to have the moments we're able to all witness and learn from, like if done in the healthy way, this can, I think, unite bachelor yeah. nation um but yeah i watched and i was like this doesn't feel like him right i think a lot of people felt that way and you know we're down to two women for matt james if if matt picks rachel which part of when i watched that interview with chris i thought you know he's defending basically the winner yeah. here so the, my prediction but do you think matt and rachel kirkconnell can survive all this this stuff that's come up about her what's your it you know it's just a random prediction but what do you think I think they can. I think it's going to be really hard. Um, like that's a very obvious statement I just made. I think they can, but coming off of the show, it's already hard enough. You have, you know, they're going to sit in interviews if she's the one at the end and Matt's going to be asked about the other woman. She's going to have to hear that. Um, he's going to still be the bachelor for the next few months and she's going to be the one that he chose like that's a not a great dynamic in a relationship where there's an inequality and kind of like he's the one that was the bachelor she's the one that was chosen and you know are they going to stay together it's going to be really hard but it's hard for every couple that's why i think the couples that do make it you see them being in an incredible place um because they've been through some stuff like they've had to have really tough conversations very early on um but it's not easy I, I mean, I've come from my experience. Yeah. Like it's it, it can go south quickly. What's the most awkward part of the show? I mean, to me, it's the fantasy suites where, you know, you've got a camera in your face or you're trying to make out. There's fireworks in the background. The anticipation is you're going to have sex with this woman. I mean, it's got to be. What was the most awkward part for you? I mean, maybe it was the parasite, but it's just like it's it's just an awkward show in, in ways. Yes. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know the the awkward thing on the show for me 
was the breakups. Um, and then also any affection anybody showed you in front of other people. Like you're trying to navigate a relationship with a lot of people. And then you have one person that's like maybe a little bit more like into PDA than the others. And you're like, I not now, like, no, not you can't. The next part, the most awkward moment I remember because I might just be a terrible human, but a lot of part of the show wasn't that bad to me. Like I was pretty fine with like the process of being on the show. It made sense. I thought everybody, you know, agreed to be there. So I didn't feel bad about a lot of things. And it's like, okay, oh, yeah, this is just a weird deal. We're all doing it together. It's watching it back. And I did a, a, um, a watch party with my grandma and my oh, parents and my friends and then they do like the close-up scenes and it's like you can hear the kissing and your grandma's sitting there watching it with you and you're just like, Mm-mm, I don't want this. I don't want this at all. Like you just want, it's not, it's, it really makes this non-fun. It, it really is such an amazing show. Um, two more questions for you. You've, you've moved on. You found amazing uh, love. You're engaged to a woman, Jessica, now. Um, she's obviously under social media in your life. You talk about her in the book. Um, but, you know, here, uh, this is what you've disclosed. You disclosed that you two are saving yourself for marriage. And I wonder why, why did you choose to share that publicly? Because I'm sure people follow up now all the time. Well, Okay. Two things. One, it's not like the ideal thing to share publicly. Um, but I like because I do a lot of speaking and work in like Christian circles, it's something that's brought up. Um, and so I don't want to answer it incorrect, like or lie about it and like not answer it. Like I'm that's not a way I want to navigate this world. So when you're asked about like a living situation, you're asked about like um, what your views are on sex before marriage you have to speak to it. And my, my statement about that is like, you know, I went to college and studied sex ed. Like I don't have necessarily a massive problem with couples deciding to have sex before marriage. I think that's in a couple's decision. I just know of the power of sex. I know the power that comes with it. And Jessica and I, when we started dating, realized this was something special and we made that commitment to each other. Um, so that was our personal choice. There isn't any like, law abiding thing that we're holding to it's like no this is what we want to do because you know we i believe it's best she believes it's best granted we we still made that commitment to each other but when we did that we were supposed to get married last november oh Uh, (laughs) like the time frame was much shorter right (laughs) much shorter much much shorter please get married over the internet i mean i want you two to have sex at this point you know i mean (laughs) you clearly have a great bond and you put god first but that yes, we now we're we've got to make an exception. <laughs> now the joke's just getting too funny. Like now it's just like all right, and then a pandemic hits, um, and like not not only does a pandemic hit, but then every wedding gets pushed back, so every place is booked. So this has just been one like kind of joke for both of us over the last year, but it's still something we're we're doing. It's still something we've committed to. Um, we still believe it's healthiest. It's just not like at this point, it's kind of like, this is getting to be ridiculous. I know. Uh, so wait, so you still have not consummated the relationship. Have you moved up the wedding date? Uh, no, it's the wedding date we booked. So no, we had to just go a year out. So November of this year. So we got some months left. You are hanging in there. You pray guys for are, me. You, I will, I will pray for you. You are going to stay celibate till then. Well, maybe. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, you're so good, Ben. That's amazing. And it's great. It speaks to your Christian beliefs, and I think that's really important. And I admire it. And a lot of people say it does strengthen the relationship. Sierra and Russell Wilson said that it was a great decision for them. And, and I believe it will be. Like, ultimately, um, it's been really great for us. We've We've built a foundation on... I mean, communication and of how to show intimacy in other ways and how to be close to each other without the act. And like, that's been awesome. Like we have great conversations. We have really great moments together. I do think we have a great foundation built. Um, I don't, I'm not going to like preach and say it's for everybody, but what I can say, it's been really good for us. Uh, and, you know, we have something to look forward to. I guess. I mean, I, I loved I it. Look, <laughs> I want a full report. I mean, I'm looking forward to this for you too. Uh, the book is called Alone in Plain Sight. You also have an awesome podcast with Ashley I. It's been an Ashley I almost famous podcast, which is always trending in the top, you know, 200 on podcasts. And you guys talk Bachelor Nation. You all, you obviously talk your own life. Um, last question for you. What is your favorite chapter in this book? There's many, but if I had to highlight one, I think it's just the one that was most special to me is one with Annie. So I got the opportunity to speak with a girl who was 22. She knew she had about three weeks left to live at 22 years old. And she gave up some of her time in those last three weeks to talk to me and share with me that as she stared down the face of death, what life meant to her, what was important to her, what she would uh, encourage others to pursue. And that, that chapter changed me forever. It will always hold a special place in my life, but it affected me forever. Oh my God. I mean, you talk about live, live, live now. I mean, and I loved when she said like, I don't want to meet Taylor Swift because people think I'm sick. I've done, you know, way more than that. I thought that Mm. that chapter was awesome. And I can see how meeting her was life changing. It was. So that's, that's, I mean, there's so many Brandon and Avery story and, and my other buddy's stories and my story, you know, the, the f- formation of generous is a big deal to me. It's still what my full-time job is today. And it's came not only from the show, but, um, you know, from the platform kind of handed to me. And so like all of that stuff is stuff that's really meaningful to me. And so I would highlight those. Awesome. Ben, you are great. Thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, the book is, re- I'm not blowing smoke. It's really good. It has way more substance than I think people will even imagine. So I really liked it. Yeah. And if you're not a Bachelor fan, you can still read it. Like there's very few amount of sections, like just a few paragraphs on The Bachelor. I really wanted to do that so people outside the show could read it. So if you're, if you're watching this, like I, I don't like this show. This guy seems like a tool because um, he's The Bachelor. At least you can read the book and still some, get something out of it. It's perfect. Ben, that was awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.